Grape Minds, the wine-centric podcast that not only takes a look at what's in your glass, but digs a little deeper. We look at history, culture, and the people behind the vines. I'm Julie Glenn. And I'm Gina Birch. One of the most exciting things about wine is that it is living, it's breathing, it's constantly evolving and changing. And it's kind of like magic when you pop that cork at just the right time when the wine is at its peak flavor and uh, thanks to that perfect storm of things like acid and tannins and fruit. And boy, it's when you hit that mark, it's something special, isn't it? It is awesome. You know, yeah. winemakers, you know, they say they release wines when they're ready, but the truth is the majority of them release them as soon as they need to pay their bills. Exactly. Uh, land is not cheap in uh, California for sure. But um, that's not such a big deal with most whites, you know, because they generally are made for a more immediate consumption. It's the reds that are all too often opened too soon. In fact, you know, like 98% of wines I read one time are opened within 30 minutes of being purchased. That That's true. You know, instant gratification. I'm going to the store to buy wine to have with my steak or my lobster or whatever I'm cooking tonight, and I'm going to take it home and, and open it. So I, I totally see that concept. Um, so when you pop one after 30 minutes and you hear in the wine speak terms, people say, oh, it's tight, needs to breathe, it needs mm-hmm. air. What's What that is kind of referring to is that it's a younger red, mostly red wine, right? Mm-hmm. And something that um, you should maybe tuck away in a corner a little bit and, and kind of let mellow out in the back of your closet and your cellar and your wine fridge and just kind of forget about it. Yeah, but don't um, put the cork back in and do that. That's no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have to do that tucking before you've tried it and yeah. And, and a, and don't a, you wish it worked that way, though? I wish. Well, that's where the Corvin comes in. But, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, and all too often when you do that, and, and again, this is specific to taste because some people like that um, jammy, fruity, upfront, uh, astringent or high alcohol or, or whatever that some of these reds have when they're fresh out of the gate. But a lot of times when I put stuff in the back in the corner in the cellar or something and, and it just sits and then I forget about it. Mm-hmm. And like 20 years go by. I can't believe I've been collecting wine that long to say mm-hmm. that. But maybe they were older when I bought them. Yeah, of course well, they well, were. Let's just well, say sure. 15 years. You started buying wine when you were 10. I did. For thank later. you. <laughs> and then you open, then you see it, and you're like, oh, gosh, I hope it's still good. Somebody told me that this one doesn't age well. Somebody told me that I should have uh, consumed my 1997s by now, whatever somebody tells you. But that's a general rule. It's not the same for every uh, wine. But I have went through a period uh, a couple of years ago where I probably dumped a whole case you over held the it course of a year. Yeah, I was opening. I'm like, shoot, I got I to gotta open these. I, and it's heartbreaking when you watch something that you've held on to that you loved when you bought and, and you, you held it for a reason. And you protected it with your life at yeah. a party. You're like, nope. And then it goes go there. glug, 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 glug down the sink. What's you, it? Well, okay, so let's describe what does it taste like when a wine's too old? M- a little musty. I think it loses its fruit. Um, it's, sometimes it's a little vinegar-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it tastes like just acidity, really. Yeah, and but sometimes even if it if, even if the some of the wines I've had that were high in acidity, you can still get a hint of the fruit, and it might just be a short window. Like you pour it in your glass, everyone says you have to decant it. No, not necessarily. Yeah, because sometimes they could, could just, die. And the amount of time it takes to consume right. one glass, the rest of the bottle can just lose it. So it's a, it's a kind of a fun experiment because once once it op- once the wine opens and, and air gets to it, you've got a window. Yeah. And sometimes the window's a little longer, a little further, so don't just guzzle it right away. Let it sit and see how it evolves, and you might be surprised that it actually opens more as what, it sits instead what, of disappears. Well, I want to know, what's, what's the oldest wine you've ever tried? Oh, gosh. I'm so excited to tell you this. 
I, lit up like a Christmas yeah, tree for you know, those who can't see. I actually <laughs> tried a wine that predates my birth year. Really? Yeah, and it was just a couple of weeks ago or a month. Uh, I don't know when it was. It was recently. So it was from 1985. Yes, yeah. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that way predates my birth year. <laughs> I went to a master wine class or a master tasting at Charles Krug. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was for their 75th anniversary, and we went. Th- we tasted through their vintage selection, um, Cabernets, and the and, and Peter Mondavi Jr. was there, and he pulled these wines out of the library, and it was one of the first times he's done an extensive tasting like this, and it was mostly for journalists. A 1964 Cab was like was the oldest one, and wow. everyone was just looking. So we had we had a 64. We had, we actually tasted six vintages. We had a 66. We had a 74. We had uh, an 83, which actually was really good. The yeah. 83 was drinking really nicely. The 91. Um, anyway, we, we went all the way up to the current release that actually hasn't been released yet. The 2016, it's still in the bottle. They're not going to release it till November. So we tasted through all of these wines to really get, it was a really geeky thing to do, but you really see how the wines age and what is needed in a wine to to age and how it retains some of them. Some years uh, were higher in alcohol or higher in sugar or more acidic. And actually all of them were drinkable. Yeah. You know, even the 64. And I say drinkable, meaning um, you had to, what Peter said was, don't look at it as an app of cab. If you do that, you're going to be disappointed. When you have well, something. Well, things are done a little differently in 64 anyway, Exactly. Too. So when you have something that old, you think of it has more of the finesse of a Pinot Noir, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's exactly what it was. You know, it was, it, it wasn't super big and powerful. It was powerful. It was elegant and it had legs, not very Big legs, but it had bird some, legs. Yeah, bird legs. It was still standing, <laughs> and it was fascinating. And acid was one of the main reasons to have these wines age. Yeah, it's so weird that your oldest wine is a '64 because that's mine too. Yeah, but on the flip side, it was a white. Uh, what for real? Tell me about that. It was a Riesling. It was a '64 Riesling. And how did that taste? I and was, wait, when did you try it? How long ago? This was in. 2005. Okay, so... No, 2006. Yeah, 2006, I was in Germany. Mm -hmm. I was in a town called Bad Mergentheim, because everything's bad something. But it was the weirdest little town. It was like this strange little town, and right across from the hotel we were staying in, there was this little bar, and there was an Elvis impersonator. Oh, my god! It was just bizarro land, but it was really fun. I mean, they're really great people. The guy that owned the hotel was a big, avid wine collector, and he said, let's open an old Riesling. What year would you go? What? And he pointed me out and said, What year would you choose? And I'm like, Uh, <laughs> I have no idea. Um, and so I, I said 64 because at the time I owned a 64 GTO. Okay. Which was the first year of the awesome, sweet muscle car that I no longer own and I'm very sad. So let me shed a tear and get on with it. Okay. But so he opens this thing up and it was very yellow. You know, white wines as they age, they kind of turn yellow. They call it butterscotch. Golden. Sort of. Yeah. But the wine that everybody lives for as far as aging is Riesling. It's the one that, in spite of its, you know, Liebfermilch uh, bad reputation in America, it is the most sturdy. It's got a tremendous amount of acid, this mm-hmm. wine. But because of that, it's able to age so long. Right. But it also has a tremendous amount of fruit, which is what fools people into thinking that it's always sweet. Although it does usually have a little bit higher residual sugar. But this wine was... I don't. It, it smelled like petroleum, of course, mm-hmm. because that's the uh, the nose profile of uh, of Riesling. It's like its hallmark, but it uh, it didn't have as much fruit uh, because as wines age, they lose that fruit. Right. 
but it had that acidity still. Mm-hmm. And it was, I don't want to say Chablis-like, but it was kind of Chablis-like. Really? It was kind of like, I'm not going to say it was as bright for mm-hmm. sure. It doesn't have that bright acidity, but it was definitely um, a big-shouldered German, you know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. It, yeah. was, it was really firm, strong, and it was really good with the uh, sausages that they had. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, before... When we were talking about this, and I actually put put a photo of this on our Great Minds Facebook page, I was digging around for something to bring to a dinner, and I found a 19-year-old Napa cab, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh, gosh, I had one of those feelings. This is something that I'm going to have to – I might have to dump. But when I looked at the label – it was a 50-50 blend of Cab and, and Cap Franc. Oh, there you go. So I thought, okay, let's pull this baby out. Yeah. It was um, – I'll take that dare. Oh, yes. It was Toad Hall, and it was part of Flora Springs, mm-hmm. and the wine was called Bodacious. Well, of course. That's why you bought it. Yeah, of course. I, and then, uh, <laughs> you totally. bought it for the label. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and it was good at the time, but I thought – and I was having uh, dinner with a bunch of old friends, and we were a bunch of curvy, bodacious Strong Chickies. women, and I'm like, I put this bottle in the middle of the table, and someone went to open it, and the cork broke. Mm. And I thought I sh- probably should have said, let's be careful with this is almost a 20-year-old cork in here. It and, happens. And I was kind of scared after that. But, man, when we got it in the glass, and after it sat for a little bit longer, it was beautiful. Yeah. Oh, it was just, it was a sweet spot for me. Yeah. You know, just everything was was balanced. The fruit, the tannins, the acidity, it was just perfect. So I wrote a thing a while back about wines and aging mm-hmm. because I want to know, because I like 1% of me is a scientist, what's going on in there? Right. You know? 1%. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, obviously, I don't pursue that very yeah. much. Clearly, I'm a communicator. But what's going on in there? I mean, everybody likes aging reds. I mean, you know, clearly because it, it helps those tannins chill out. Sure. Um, little is known about what's happening in a wine bottle when it ages. But we do know that there are chemical reactions that cause polymers and phenolic particles, and those are things that come off of the skins during mm-hmm. red winemaking, it makes those clean together into little solids that you call sediment. Have you ever poured that last glass oh, and had yes. like a big glop? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the sediment, there's nothing wrong with it. You just, no, but it doesn't taste, it's not pleasant in your mouth. It's not something no. you really like to chew on. No. So, But um, that's why they have, um, well, a lot of people say they have shoulders in wine so that it can collect that sediment, right. sediment, sediment. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a settlement of sediments. I'm living yeah. here. No, um, it's, uh, uh, it's to collect that sediment before you pour it into mm-hmm. the actual glass. So those things clean together into these little solids. And and when those particles settle out of the wine and into the base of the bottle, they take some of that bluish red color out of the wine. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's why you end up with that little brick halo. Yes, a little rusty color. It looks a little bricky. Um, and then uh, it's believed that it's partially responsible for pulling out some of the more harsh tannins. Hmm. Um, from the flavor of the wine, leading to more of a, a smooth mouthfeel and uh, making way for those other flavors to shine through. Because sometimes when you get something that's really tannic, you can't even ta- access any of the other right. you know, flavors. Right. And, it's, and I wrote, uh, it's kind of like being at a party with that crazy, rowdy guy who, while fun and everything, everybody looks forward to him invariably he- passing out. <laughs> so aging <laughs> yes. a wine is like waiting for those tannins to just kind of pass out and chill mm-hmm. and lay on the bottom of the bottle. The trick is getting them to pass out at the right time. Because you ever had a bottle that's aging, that it's not necessarily too old, but it's gone dumb, they it's, call it? It's, yeah, yes. It's, it's gone to sleep. Yeah. Not like your guy who passed out. Well, maybe. Maybe. And then you drink it and you're like, Dang, I missed my window, but you really didn't because if you wait another year, two, who knows, it can wake back up again. And yeah. it, it is. It's 
it's frustrating because you don't know. There, you know, there's no, there's no, there are no rules and there's no law about aging. And everyone's different. Yeah. I mean, even within the same grape, right? Mm-hmm. So one cab's going to age differently from another cab, and it has something to do probably with the way it's vinified and maybe, you know, what the conditions were where it was growing. Mm-hmm. It also has to do with how you store it because they know that wine will age faster if you store it in warmer conditions. Right. And but here, it does yeah. not age better. You know, so they're saying, I mean, if they if you want to speed up the aging of a wine, doing it in a warmer condition it does not necessarily mean that it's going to age better. You know what I mean? And you probably should not keep it as long because I, sure. I know what you're saying. But but temp, consistent temperature is one of the keys to proper aging of a wine, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, in a cellar at 55 or in your closet at 70. You know, as long as it stays consistent, um, then that's that's a big key to it. And, and I've heard some pushback on wine refrigerators if you're doing long-term aging mm-hmm. because of the vibration of the, ah, um, the motor, motor kicking on and off. Interesting. I've heard people give a little pushback on that. So the more tannic and heavy the wine is, the longer it can age. That's right. basically the equation that we do know for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, that you got Bordeaux, Barolo, Barbaresco, some of the mountain-grown California cab like you had. Uh, it can age up to 25 years comfortably. A Merlot, Pinot Noir, Rioja, Syrah, Shiraz, they can average on average, four to 10 years. And then you got Grenache, Gamay, Zinfandel. They can start to fade after five or six years. Mm, okay. Some of them may be able to hold out a little longer. That was my heartbreak of life was oh. I had like this case of 97 Zinfandel that I was like, it's the best thing ever. I opened it up in like 2007, 2008, and I was just like crushed. It oh. was so dead. It was dead as a doornail. You know, I, I got some great advice this week from Clay Moritzen. Moritzen, um, Family winery in uh, in Sonoma, and he makes beautiful Zinfandels, and he makes some great cabs as well. And they're cab lovers' cabs; they're not Zen lovers' cabs. You know, a lot of people who make Zen make these cabs that are good for Zen. You know, like taste like they're made from a Zen maker. And he said, when it comes to wine and buying wine, I recommend instead of buying a bottle here, a bottle there, a bottle there, and just like having all these random bottles, buy a case of something you like. And every year, open it. Mm-hmm. And then you see how it ages. And then when it gets to that spot, then you open one every three months. Then you have a party with people who appreciate exactly. one. Exactly. And I thought that's a really clever way to do it if you have the space to have all those uh-huh. cases sitting around of all the wines you love. Because I love way too many to do that. No kidding. Yeah. Okay, I have another sob story. Oh, gosh. I had a Brunello. I held on to it for five years. Mm. And it should have held on longer than that. But it did not. I think I probably didn't store it correctly. Mm. And my description of it is it tasted like thinned pomegranate juice steeped Aww. in chalk. Oh, It was sick. Well, you guys got that, you know, Sangiovese thing, which we talked about uh, when we were talking about Italian wines. There's no scientific explanation for why wine acts that way. It just kind of does. And again, it's that rowdy party guy I mentioned earlier. It's like he'd sit down on the cry, uh, on the couch and cry, you know, mm-hmm. before he passes out. That's about when I opened that one. Oh. Pretty much. But um, there's also rules when it comes to white wines. Um, those that are uh, known to age well are those that have greatest acidity. So that includes Chablis, Chenin Blanc, if vinified with great acidity, and Riesling. Those are the sturdiest old timers. Um, but what little is known about the process of red wine aging, even less is known about whites. They yeah. become a little bit more brown. Like we said, they get honeyed. Um, some get a little bit kind of sweeter, strangely. Yeah. Yes, I've noticed that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And the the honeying, I don't know. It, it seems like when the acidity kind of dies off, maybe, it's because those background fruit flavors come forward 
And as is many times the case, it fools you into thinking it's sweet. So thus the honeyed description Probably. on white wines That's, that are old. Yeah. Well, I, think, I think it's like aging wine is like aging people. It's very unpredictable. Some age well, some do not. <laughs> we can't give we can't give our wine a shot of Botox to get rid of the wrinkles. No kidding. Yeah. God, wouldn't that be great wine Botox? That'd be wonderful. All right. So I've got a 2001 Brunello. You said you 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 had one that was 20 years. And should I go ahead and open this? It's 17 years old. I think we should do it. All right. Go for it. Okay. Well, Great Minds is produced at WGCU Studios on FGCU campus in Fort Myers, Florida. Our producers for online media are Anna Bejarano and Tara Calligan. Technical production is by Richard Chen Kui. Great Minds theme music, Fridzante, is by Colin Mannon. Get in touch by checking greatminds.org. Thanks for listening. See ya.